Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Robert. Hello. And we're doing something we haven't done in a long time. We're actually going to do an unboxing live. Uh, Robert has Vastor in the, his palm of his hand right now, the uh, the would-be god of all things mechanically destructive in the world of chaos. Tell me about the box set. Well... It gives you one too many obliterator bases. That's the fun part. Oh, cool. It gives you three 50 millimeter bases when you only... And it gives you a whole bunch of other Space Marine garbage, a.k.a. Dark Angels, which if you want to win a small RTT, just bring 30 of them suckers. You'll probably win as Azrael and all that other stuff in his up... So it's... I literally just bought it for backdoor for a display board. That's that's my problem. <laughs> So you mentioned yeah, the Dark Angel. So it's you get Azrael in the kit too, right? Yeah, you get the Primaris Azrael. You get five Terminators that you can build as either Deathwing Knights or or actual Deathwing Terminators. Ooh. And then I'm intrigued already. And then ten intercessors. Like it's a it's a solid combat patrol level kind of Dark Angels force where it has a character, one troop choice, and then a an actual killy unit that is your Terminators. Mm, Whereas the chaos side is not not efficient whatsoever. It's cultists, obliterators, a crawler, and Vashtor. Seems competitive to me. I don't see what the problem is. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good building block, I guess. I don't know. It's one of the biggest issues I've always had with the the, ever since I probably got sixth edition, I guess, when they reintroduced cultists back into the chaos ring codex. Is that you got to have you got to have them. And it's like, I, I like the option, but I just feel like, I guess at the end of the day, I'm one of those players, like, I want my army to play like X, but that's not what they do both in the lore or in the rules. So good luck trying to go swim against the tide. I think at the end of the day, I kind of want chaos custodes, and that's just not going to happen anymore. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, if there was a chaos custodes army, I would be utterly baffled. It's not so much that the actual, like, I don't want, like, an army that's, like, custodies that went bad type thing. What I'm looking for is a Chaos Space Marine army that is, like, it's, like, heavy unchosen and can still be competitive where they're highly elite. And it just doesn't seem like mm-hmm. that's happening anymore. <laughs> well, maybe in the future, because of the fact that we will see the eventuality of more elite armies coming to the forefront, because... In a later segment of the show where we talk about certain <laughs> 10th edition changes, there has I caught some images of people talking about 10th edition stuff. Oh, we did mention and combat I, patrols that could also be foreshadowing a little bit about 10th edition. Oh, uh, this this is more of actually describing potentially what the new bugs are. Dun, dun, dun. I think we've teased quite a bit. Let's start with official channels. Slowly becoming the new most popular segment on our show. This is what did we learn about 10th edition this week? <laughs> so <laughs> it's a bunch of hoopla and it doesn't exist. Surprise, it was April Fool's Day. That's it. Well, yes, what'd you think of the uh the Warhammer workout video? Oh man, I need a sledgehammer, man. It was great. <laughs> I, I was part of me is like, okay, I'm not a big April Fool's fan to begin with. So I was kind of like, okay, what do we got this thing? last year it gave us um, squats, basically, the return of Leagues of Otan. So I was kind of hoping, like, oh, what are they coming out with this week? And this year was kind of like, oh, it, it was funny, but not that funny. Okay, never mind. <laughs> so it's kind of 
moved on. So it was cute. Mm-hmm. It, it, I I love the fact that they put so much effort into actually branding a sledgehammer and calling it a warhammer. Yeah, I, I like a solid clapping session for them because. I, I, I legitimately sat there thinking, like, how cool would that be to have hanging up in the back of, like, recording a video intro and just going, yes, I have an official Warhammer, a GW-licensed Warhammer. Yeah, you bring up a good point there. That would be kind of cool. Because that instantly makes me cooler than you. Well, <laughs> not hard to be cooler than me, but yes, you are. <laughs> well, well, in reference to the viewer who was like, oh, man, I totally want a oh, Warhammer exactly. now. But no, no. Do you work out? I'm like, I play like, Warhammer. Look at me. I got spaghetti arms. I do not work out. <laughs> but yes. Uh, so in general, with 10th edition, we are uh, Warhammer community talked about the new way to list build. And it's not too terribly different than how we do it now. But it's a little, It's I would say it's a little more, a little more freeformed. I think that'd be exaggerated. Yeah, there's, it definitely has lot less constraints but on the same token because we haven't seen everything yet it's hard to speculate how you know how open-ended the the, the toolbox will be from an armor building mm-hmm. standpoint and so there's a lot of noise out there so if you're hearing this um especially in here talk about this at your local game store take a deep breath <laughs> and um it is very similar to sigmar but i looked up my old Sigmar rules and it's still very different. So let's stop drawing parallels. <laughs> they, they don't quite match up. <laughs> like the terms that they use are the main forms of parallel that they bring up because of the fact that they reference battle line units. Well, we already have that kind of system where let's take dark angels as a topic here. If you put them in a Vanguard detachment, it makes all of your terminators objective secure because that's, a special rule that they have. That's the same thing as taking, oh, I'm playing ogres. I take a frost lord on Stonehorn. He now makes all of my Stonehorn Beast Riders battle line. It's literally the same thing. Yeah. So let's get into it. I want to do the quick summary and then I want to, uh, and Robert, I'm sure we'll expound on it. So mustering your army is down, develop, is down six steps. Select battle size, select your army roster, choose a faction. Select detachment rules, select units, promote a warlord. Done. And um, so let's kind of go into greater detail of based on what we've seen in the Warcom article. Uh, battle size uh, is no surprise, just like we see in the competitive rulebook. Incursion still 1,000 points. Strike force is still 2,000 points. Uh, onslaught still floating around there. Not sure if we're going to be seeing tournaments at 3,000 points, but we'll find out. And interesting, 500 points is actually a separate game. That's the combat patrol thing, and that's basically you play what's in the combat control box. So a very kill team oriented, where you you play what's in the box, and it's you don't make any lot of, and a whole lot of changes. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the idea that a 2,000 point army will be just click, and you this is a, it's almost like a pre made kill team for 2,000 points does not seem to be the case. Yeah, because also if you look at some of the combat patrol boxes that they are releasing, they these things aren't exactly the greatest looking things because like at, looking at their article that they actually released yesterday, you look at the boarding, a boarding patrol box. So effectively 
what you're supposed to use for boarding action. These very much look like combat patrol box because the the battle the sisters of battle one. This is all. It's a normal unit of ten sisters. It's a small unit of sacrosanct. It's two characters between a canoness and a repentia superior. I think is the one. And then it gives you a one two one two three four five six seven eight nine. Pentia. Hmm. That is actually an incredibly viable boarding patrol for someone to buy into Sisters if they wanted to play Bloody Rose and get a decent amount of Repentia for moderate prices. Because you get the character, you get the Sacrosaints, which are really good, and then you get, obviously, a unit of normal Sisters. And then you look at the Custodes one. Custodes is basically the same as almost their regular combat patrol box. The only changes is you get Trajan, five custodians and three Alora's terminators you don't get any bikes interesting yeah there's... like obviously there's a change about shield captain but i mean right. you can build a shield captain <laughs> no actually yeah it's a good point i know i haven't had a chance to race down to my local game store to pick up the the aldaria one which was a steal getting uh 20 corsairs for that price so i'm just like oh, i need to get that before it goes out of print but uh that especially that sisters one because repentia mm-hmm. just they're just nasty and they get them that's that and the soccer sense are it's kind of like you've got your hammer and you got your anvil in one box that's pretty cool mm-hmm. the the thousand cents one that they showed off uh, makes me scratch my head because i if i'm looking at this right it gives you like two sorcerers and then one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen 18 um rubric marines so i think it's literally just two squads of rubric marines and then two spawn hmm. yeah you got a good point there I, it's, it's the it's the most head scratching box i've ever seen but i mean it's for boarding actions not combat patrols so they don't give you a character and they don't give you these things but 50 dollars of that is the spawn <laughs> but we're near we're not here talking about value for money we're here talking about how it works in synth edition that's a that's a little bizarre hmm okay never mind <laughs> Maybe a thousand, but, uh, thousands. There's someone. There's a thousand player, a thousand Suns players yelling at us, going, "It is the greatest thing ever, you idiots!" And I'm like, "I'm sure." I'm sorry, <laughs> but the because of the fact that they separate 500 point games from everything else, that means that the the new combat patrols are all supposed to be roughly 500 points, and 500 points for each army looks drastically different. Yeah. And before you think, well, that's because they use power levels. Uh, very first line power levels are a thing of the past points are now the order of the day so sorry guys mm-hmm. if you liked power levels and it had its place um it's gone in 10th edition yeah because power level was fun for doing stuff in crusade which is still going to be here because they liked the crusade system and it worked for the most part but power level again can get really out of hand sometimes because it effectively lets you do what space marines get to do now where you just get to take whatever you want for free basically which is interesting so here's the how it all flesh because the other thing though there was power level was a big part of other rules like summoning and um determining strategic reserves how much you could put how much how many cp it costs yes i know arcs of omen it's now free but you get my point it, it, it was power level even in the points game was still had a purpose so it's interesting to see it gone in the new edition so i'd be curious to see if they have something similar or um they're going off of point levels I, I don't know but we'll see what happens yeah it's 
I honestly think it's not going to cause too much of a stir with it going missing, but it will definitely be more of a well how does how do narrative games play out for those people that like doing more narrative based games rather than the hard rigid structure right and the whole point of the <clears throat> excuse me of the um power level was okay i show up i'm running late for my game we're not taking this all that seriously i'm gonna throw an army together in 10 minutes how many how many, don't have to sit there with a calculus slide rule to figure this out mm -hmm. yep that's always something that me who likes crunching little itty bitty numbers like that of like oh man if i could just find three more points for this i could do this and yep. then that and that's all well and good but when it comes down to it when you can just go yeah now this unit's 24 power and they all have the same gun whoop de doo whoop -de -doo. <laughs> yeah indeed so uh anyway moving over so yeah building armies in 10th uh, start your army roster. This step was a little confusing, uh, the way it was described. And um, so there's a little bit of hoopla still on the internet. Uh, rosters could be anything you want them to be, which is always like, ah, panic. Uh, you'll be able to download blank printable rosters, sheets from Warhammer community, use the upcoming New Warhammer 40k app, or even write them down all on a piece of paper. Just make sure your opponent can see it before you start. Uh, okay. Um, I think people are left to conclusions that it's free form, open play. I don't think that's what the case is here. Yeah, there, there's no way that 40k will end up doing the same kind of thing where, oh, I'm going to bring 7th edition PTSD alert here. Oh, I'm going to bring seven Plagueburst Crawlers and blah. No, it's it's nothing like that. They still have the rule of three in place. They still say in the eventuality of the army roster, when you pick your units to kind of scroll down to the next bullet point to touch on this, you get you have to have at least one character, a maximum of an epic hero. So something probably equivalent to Abaddon or Rebuta Gilliman or Gazgul or Shadow Sun, a big name character. Think of it with up to three of the same data sheet and then up to six of the same battle line or dedicated transport. So I have a feeling that this is where people were getting mixed up, where you could just, if something ended up being battle line in your army, again, touching on Dark Angels Terminator, um, excuse me, Dark Angels Terminators as an example, they become OBSEC in a Vanguard attachment currently. Well, what's to stop you from bringing three units of Terminators and three units of Death? Oh, there's all my battle line. But your army doesn't change. Yeah. So, interesting enough, this kind of goes back to some of those conspiracy theorists who said, oh, Arcs of Almond is nothing more than playtesting for um, 10th edition. I go, well, first of all, um, the rulebook is probably already at the printer, so I find that very unlikely. But um, you might be right here, because if you notice, when you build an army currently with Arcs of Almond, you get to ch you choose a compulsory choice. It means to be a minimum of three of a particular thing. Notice there's no discussion about heavy support, fast attack, troop choices, all gone. You know, the, those things are, are not mentioned and um, it's meant to be very simple. So again, rule of three is in place. So you're stuck with no more than um, three of the same data sheet. So that's kind of neat. The one question, I, yeah, I was gonna bring it up for debate was the Epic Hero one. The picture in the little diagram is obviously a silhouette of Gilliman. So I think, Robert, I, I would agree with you. It's probably, if it had the Supreme Commander to t label, uh, it, that's considered an epic hero. But 
I hope that's the case because I would hate to see it that um, something as basic as a succubus is not an epic hero or even just Lilith is an epic hero. That would suck. <laughs> well, like it's the it's one of those things that more often than not, because right now the way named characters work is you're only allowed to have one of it in your army because it's a unique character. Sometimes that doesn't matter because of the fact that, oh, I'm bringing Ultramarine. I'm going to bring a chapter master and then I'm also going to bring Gilliman. They're basically the same thing, except Gilliman is a reroll aura versus a chapter master where you pick a unit and it gets to reroll. Like they effectively serve the same purpose in your army. So if for like your Drukari, for instance, oh, you bring Drazar. Mm -hmm. If they made Drazar an epic hero, well, it doesn't take away from you bringing a succubus. And you know what? I just I I'm admitting this live on the air. I misread this the whole time. I'm getting ready all week to talk about this, and it says a max of one of each epic hero. Mm-hmm. That one I read that is a max of one epic hero. It's a big difference. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is a big difference because of the fact that, um, like, let's actually take Tau. Tau is an mm-hmm. example of they have multiple big name characters within their lore: Shadow Sun and Farsight. It's just let's let's say they get along for once. <laughs> um, let's say they both each have the epic hero keyword to slap, slap to them, which I assume the epic hero is probably going to be a keyword. You can take a Shadow Sun and you can take a Farsight. That's like 500 points of your army, but that's two really powerful characters. It's that kind of argument. Yeah. And interesting, uh, quick aside here. Uh, if you got your hands on a Farsight this weekend, you are one of the few. Uh, apparently it's sold out rather quickly and it's already on eBay for almost double the price. So, well, I mean, out of all of the models, the only one that was better was boss Snickrot. <laughs> I'm biased just a little, but yes, the, uh, I'm sorry, Angron, you're amazing and you're killy. Please don't hurt me, but I'm an orc at heart. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's one of those things that with armies, being constructed following this yeah people can misconstrue it because if you bring the epic hero that also fills out your one character slot problem which then frees up points for you to bring other stuff right so yeah it's pretty interesting how this all kind of is going to work together obviously we're going to need to see more uh plus uh before we make a you know full assessment on how to build armies two more things though we talked about in the quick introduction uh selecting faction now, it says here, this step hasn't changed. Pick your favorite army and prepare for battle. This step decides your faction keyword. Know that it's quite rare to pick allies in most game modes. It's assumed that your force will be drawn from a single faction. Double asterisks. We'll get to that in a second. However, if you want to play larger games representing combined forces, say an Imperial Dominus Crusade fleet, you can absolutely can in a casual setting. So that tells me if your Pure and Pretzels League wants you to... You want to take um, guard with space marines and maybe some custodes. Great, and then your opponents taking de- uh, chaos with uh, a couple other uh, demons, and you should be fine. No one's going to worry about it. Now the double asterisk is interesting. So, though exceptions are in place for the classic cross faction combos like summon demons, chaos demons, excuse me, like summon chaos demons, free blade knights, and brood brothers. So that makes it very interesting. First of all, I keyed on the summoned word. Really? We're summoning demons now? Or are they just going to be part of the list again? Um, curious to see how that all comes back. But um, yeah, the single faction, it seems like 
pretty much what we have now in Arcs of Omen that you have very rigid allied choices. Mm -hmm. Which, for competitive levels of play, makes it, one, um, a little simpler for players to actually get in and play because of the fact that they only need to worry about learning one facet of their army. But it, it does take away something from... Like, for instance, the, the tournament that... Well, no, I don't need to talk about it because it was literally Denver. My last game was a mixed Imperial Force of Custode Imperial Knight. That would go away unless the allied the allying system would allow that to happen in competitive play. So there's some, there's some good and bad points of that potentially messing with army building because they're already trying to not have people soup together like four or five keywords oddly because... We don't want people carrying around six books to play the game again. Oh, God, please don't. Uh, I'm glad they're listening to that, because that was a big... And it's funny, because I was like, oh, it wasn't that bad. And then I picked up my backpack that I carry everything in for playing, um, which has none of my models in it, by the way. And it, how much that thing weighs is just ridiculous. Yep. I can happily say with my current version of my night list with the Stalker, I only have to carry around one book. Yeah. It's it it only maybe dropped like half a pound at most, but it's still not an extra book that I have to potentially yoink out and find the page for. Right. Uh, interesting. This is probably the biggest change, and it even says here's where the differences begin to show themselves. Instead of choosing a subfaction or constructing your army uh, your own, so uh, Hail of Doom, we're talking about you. You now choose a single set of a detachment rules for your whole army. This includes special abilities, enhancements, stratagems, and unit restrictions. For instance, you might be playing a Gladys, excuse me, Gladius task force of the Steptus Astartes. Your faction gives you the Oath of Moment army rule. More on that next week. So by the time you're, you're listening to this, they may have already come out with it. While your detachment gives you access to six unique stratagems on top of the core group in the main rulebook, as well as four exclusive enhancements for your Space Marine characters. It also bags you the Combat Doctrines ability, which allows you to pick up the three powerful doctrines during your command phase. I'm going to stop there real quick. There's a lot to unpack in uh, mm -hmm. roughly 46 words. <laughs> uh, let's go through it one by one. For instance, you might be playing the Galadius Task Force. Right off the bat, Galadius Task Force gave me PTSD from 7th and 6th and 7th edition. Oh god, free free rhinos, don't make it happen again. <laughs> That's not what it said here. <laughs> but uh, that said, it doesn't say ultramarines, it doesn't say iron hands. So I think it's going to be up to you as a player to go, huh, this particular detachment plays to my style, and I, ha I will paint my army to to the faction I wanted to, the sub-faction I like, and therefore play an army that seems to fit the mold. So, like, let's take the hypothetical here. Sure. I, well, I love Imperial Fists. I hate playing Space Marines, but I love Imperial Fists just because it's the simplest Marine army. We throw bolters at people, and we just roll a lot of dice, and we look at buildings very, very mad. <laughs> because we wish we could knock them over. But anyway, right. urban renewal. <laughs> yep. The if they had a a detachment where it was oh like bolter onslaught or something where it went all of your bolter weapons naturally have an extra AP while in X doctrine or something kind of like tactical doctrine. Yeah, 
you better believe I would sit there and go, yep, here's six Devastator Centurions, all with bolters, and na 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 boo boo, I'm just going to roll a bunch of shots and you're going to die because I ignore cover. <laughs> like, all that other more fun, fluffy stuff of space. Would it be the most competitive thing? Probably not. But it would definitely allow me to pick things that I'm looking for the bolt, the word bolt in the weapon. Whereas... Obviously, something like a Galenius Task Force is more of an enigma because it probably gives you more flexible rules. Or you could play something like the um, something more like the White Scars, where it's, it's the flanking riders kind of thing, where you get extra movement on these kinds of units, but you're only allowed these things. I could see that. I could even see it being even more generic, where it's, oh, this is something where... Yeah, a White Scars player wants it because it favors what used to be the fast attack choices and things move quicker. It seems like they're, these detachments are linked to the faction. So, But I could actually see them further going, oh, that facet, that super quick detachment also applies to a Windrider host if you're an Aldari player. Yeah, it, it attaches to biker or like biker or aircraft keyword kind of thing where these keywords benefit from this rather than white scar bikers or sam hain right so there's that one is actually easier to ingest because it's just think of an archetype that you would play so like for instance using my custodes super zippy fast detachment play bikes or if you want to be something durable, it'd be something more focused around Terminators, like an adamantium shield wall kind of thing. That's a good example. Um, so while your attachment gives you access to six unique stratagems on top of the core ones in the main rulebook, hmm, where have we heard that before? Um, well, we look at the World Leaders book. There's eight stratagems for each half of that book, plus all the generic stratagems for, for them. So you mentioned, and then that's one thing I think we always talk about all the last last codex of the edition. It's always the precursor to the new game design. The biggest difference is if you, yeah, if you play world leaders, you get these stratagems, and if you play, is it um, disciples of the red angel? I couldn't remember. Was it the dozens? I knew something with the D. <laughs> disciples of the red angel. You only get those stratagems. You don't get both. You don't lap them on top of each other, and that seems to lend itself that this is the new way of doing things uh, the best example i could think of is the disaster that was the crusher stampede for tyranids oh <laughs> don't even get me started on that but imagine if you know now you're like okay uh crusher stampede released in a white dwarf oh my god what is this nonsense well the nonsense is you get these six stratagems whatever else is in your codex sorry null and void that makes it a little or... bit easier to swallow or even better, here's your Crusher Stampede detachment. Vehicles and monsters get these. Therefore, it applies to every. That's a good point. Yeah, it could be something like that as well. So interesting. Uh, so all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I I'm feeling better about this. Um, one of the things we've joked about on this show several times is when I show up for a game, and Robert's actually seen this in person, I have my Magic Kelly clipboard. I have every possible rule my army could possibly need because I've learned there's no bonus points for memorizing your army list. So if I have it for quick reference, I'm ready to go. And I look like an NFL offensive coordinator because this clipboard has thousands of numbers and color coded and it's just a, just, just a dissing array of information. And now you're telling me I can literally have everything I need for my army pre-made by Games Workshop. I don't have to make those things anymore. I can't wait. <laughs> like, 
just saying, if I could sit there and the the, the data cards for Wooters are actually a great example. They have the cards for the Blood Tithe bonus. So you can literally just look through your deck, go, I want this bonus, and slap it down next to you and go, I have that. Yeah. The Custodes have that, but it's a, okay, here's the card for your Kata. You still have to remember which one you picked. Right. Like, Adeptus Titanicus did a great job of this, where monitoring your Titan stats are tracked by pegs on, like, a cardboard sheet. Oh, yeah, that thing's pretty cool looking. So, like, if you were to scratch build something like that for your army to help you keep track of stuff, bonus points for you, you just simplified your own game state because you're not having to worry about, like, what page was that on? Mm -hmm. Where was it again? Oh, God, I lost. There's a lot of stuff that you can help yourself memorize this system to a point where... If you can't find a rule, you look at your you look at your cheat sheet, page twenty seven. Huzzah! <laughs> the thing I think about too is when you play your Chaos Knights, you have that page open, and you, that way you can figure out what dread bonus is active. I could see a lot oh, yeah. more of that happening. The only problem is, is that it's in the book, right? So I need to have my book open all the time, and if I need to look at a weapon data sheet, ah, oh, god dang it! Yep, there you go. <laughs> But you get my point. You know, it's, it's it's going to be a nice flow chart that you can follow, and that's everything you need is on that those two pages. That and that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right, another um, Age of Sigmar parallel coming up. Brace yourself for impact. Uh, six unique stratagems, as well as four exclusive enhancements for your Space Marine characters. So, from what I understood, and Robert, please correct me if I'm wrong. Enhancements is kind of a unique term for. Warlord traits and or relics. <laughs> it gets a little more broad than that, my friend. The enhancements are for everything from relics to warlord traits to psychic powers. Ooh, I did not realize that. Like the because in Age of Sigmar, very much like sometimes in 40k, you can upgrade things being a caster. So if give it access to a spell, that counts as an enhancement. So that one will be probably more flexible. So yes, it is generally allocated to things like warlord traits, to relics, or to... Um, you remember the old days of Vigilist attachments where you could pay points and whatever? To, actually, no. Actually, orcs. Orcs is a better example. I upgrade these I upgrade these boys to truck boys. That cost me how many points? That's an enhancement. Got it. Is that the same thing? There was the... How's it? I forgot which name of the orc boy. There was another one. There was they could kill boys, and then there was a the boom boys. Yeah. Okay, boom boys, the hamak sites, the blood brides, the trueborn. Okay, yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, so it lumps all of those into one individual place, and those are generally restricted to like one, two, maybe three entirely for your. Yeah, this one's saying four total for you uh, for this detachment in particular. That's kind of neat. Maybe that's where you get the captain to chapter master, since we're to use a space brain example here. And then if you take a librarian, maybe you're like, oh, okay, I, I, I can, maybe that's where your spells come from. It's interesting. So I was just like, okay, I was trying to digest this and get an understanding what that means. So good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the enhancement thing isn't a super confusing thing overall. Like, does it, because of the fact that in Age of Sigmar, sometimes you can take a certain detachment and it'll give you like a bonus enhancement or something else that you get for for like a specific kind of character or something. Right. Interesting. And specific to Space Marine character players, but it's kind of 
interesting tells a uh, foreshadowing of something that's been a problem. It also bags you the combat doctrines ability, which allows you to pick from three powerful doctrines during the command phase. So one of the problems right off the bat is if you're a shooty army, so like Iron Hands, which are dominating most of the uh, Space Marine wins, uh, you start in Devastator. You have to start in Devastator. Whereas if you're a White Scars player, you got to get through one turn of Devastator, one turn of Tactical before you finally get the Assault Doctrine. It seems like that might be going away. Mm-hmm. It could be going the way of Death Watch, because Death Watch are special in the fact that they get to pick the order of their doctor. Yeah. That's... I keep looking at that. It's just like, why are Death Watch not doing so well? That They should be, with their amount of flexibility, they should be insanely good. But anyway. They should be, but sadly they're not. Yep. So then it goes, if you choose to fight with a different detachment, you'd replace the stratagems, enhancement, combat doctrines with those of the new detachment. So if you decide to switch, that's just like you said, I'm switching from world eaters to uh, the disciples of the Red Angel. You switch completely. I think some people took this to mean you could switch that game to game. I don't think, I mean, you probably could in practice games, but I don't think you're going to be able to do that in a tournament setting. No, no, no. Because doing something like that goes back to the feels bad days of um, Tyranids get to choose their their bio-adaption from game to game based on their opponent. Black Templars get to pick their oath from game to game the if the sisters got to pick their sacred rights from game to game like that kind of that kind of well i get to tailor i get to tailor against my opponent when i show up to the table and there's nothing that my opponent can do about it right that would be way too gamey because then everyone would have to carry around the big rule book for all of those detachments and have all of them memorized and go i'm playing against this army i need to take this detachment oh i'm playing this one next round i'm going to switch to this detachment when we, in all actuality we've all gotten used to submitting one detachment and one list and that's your entire so the article continues detachment choice will vary be very rare rarely be tied to any color scheme so while ultramarines might be the theoretical and practical masters of the gladius task force other chapters can use it too in the same way will be true for other detachments as they get added to the game this means that you can try multiple detachments with a single army you are not going to be locked into a single detachment just because you painted your army blue, red, or yellow. Which was interesting because that was a a tournament rule flapped in, whereas I guess at GW events, like if you said you played Ultramarines and you showed up with yellow and green <laughs> Marines, they weren't going to let you play. Even though you could... Here's my a 20-page tome of my successor chapter to the Ultramarines. <laughs> well, it was just the same kind of policy with um, conversion and other... and stand-in approvals where you just had to send it in and have it... Of like, for instance, if I want to take my Custodes, there is no blue Custodian chapter. Oh, I'm playing as Emperor's Chosen. That's the trademark thing. But Emperor's Chosen are the gold and red like like the classic custodians and that's one of the reasons why i love 40k because you have that freedom to express yourself as a player i used to i played historical games before that and nothing was more annoying with your gray isn't quite the the same color as other confederate armies i'm like oh my god Mm -hmm. give it up (laughs) yeah i just grabbed the first gray i could find off the shelf dang it i was looking for the gray that covered best you know okay enough 
But anyway, um, so what probably what tells me is that there's probably going to be some right out of the bat, and then each codex then comes up with a few new detachments. But I can easily see, like, if using some history, you know, one of the things that used to drive me nuts was, okay, I've got my codex, I've got my um, Book of Rust, which had rules in there. I could easily say, nope, I only need the Book of Rust because I'm using the detachment from that book as opposed to everything I need from my codex. Yeah, the because I still remember the days of playing my orcs with the Vigilus books. I legitimately wish I could have just scanned the page of Vigilus and left it there because all the stuff I needed was on a single page mm -hmm. and then show it with my... Yep, you know, because of, you know, tournament rules, you, you had to carry the dumb whole book with you. And for good reason, there was literally people who photoshopped and changed rules on them. And you're like, oh my God, now, yeah, it's going to make it much simpler. So, Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza, decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from reddukegames.com, and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play indeed. So if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me, and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR Cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus podcast. I'm excited for this. This looks really cool. Mm, yeah, I'm in general excited for it's something new to learn and but I think we are missing the one thing. How do we pick a warlord? I mean, it's as simple as that. It's an yeah, well, it's, a, it's an election process, you know, so each party first chooses their dominee. No, wait, that's not how it works. <laughs> Instead, there's, uh, it's pretty simple. Um, no detachment will ever need more than a couple pages. That's not what I'm reading. Uh, and you choose a warlord as your leader. Uh, any character, basically, which I'm a little worried mm -hmm. about because there was a time in 6th edition 
where there were some like really cheap characters and like we're gonna make them our warlord <laughs> it's like that wasn't intended to be that but we'll see what happens well like for instance with necrons you would take a cryptech as your warlord because it was the cheapest one so you could bring the most things or you could be that guy and bring thing bring three tesseract vaults right um nowadays they have an entire hierarchy system that you have to follow before you can make a cryptech your warlord but now we see the silent king all the time so that hierarchy system was a waste of ink yeah back in i think it was sixth edition maybe seventh there was the the jakari characters it's gonna be hard to believe those who are new to the game the jakari characters used to be absolute rubbish so the idea of taking a warlord was like do i have to so you would take a 20 point lamian and make him your uh warlord <laughs> that way you can take mm-hmm. the good stuff <laughs> yep also it's like if you go into space marine well I have this chapter master and he has all these things and that, but nah, I'm going to make this apothecary. My warlord. <laughs> exactly. He's the boss. Yeah. The chaplain over here is the, he's, he's in charge. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely going to be a, a de- like too not, not too much of a departure for picking a warlord. And as they say in the article, it's supposed to be a simple system, but as they said in the reveals, the it's the system is something I think it was something like it has more simplicity, but it's not simple. Right. Which is pretty awesome because, yeah, there's a lot of complexity mm-hmm. to the game. So, yeah. And then so affordable uh, packs of affordable index cards will be and it'll collect all your rules and data cards in one place for easy reference. These will be available free online or in the new app. So you, if you want hard copies, you buy them. If you don't, or if you just want to use up your printer ink, you can download them or take your chances if they got the app fixed this time around. Um, we'll see. Well, I know I'm going to support my friendly local game store and probably buy a physical set. Indeed. So you had some other news there uh, to talk about. Indeed. Indeed, I do. So I found this one via secondhand of other of other discord channels it does not show who it was from so can't find exactly who it's from but um so it's someone claiming they got to look the index the tyranid part of the index okay so there are new units again these names are all subject to change i don't know if these are true or not take this with a humongous grain of salt so there's something called paragons they're like hormagons but instead of units of 10 they're in units of five and they're effectively like they can't hold they don't hold objectives and they're effectively towered so they're body blockers interesting so that oc ability they would have like a zero that'd be very that's an interesting mm-hmm. idea okay there's something there's nothing called the magistron with vassal spores so it's a, apparently a new psyker with apparently the power level of psychic abilities between like right behind magnus hmm. But it's more expensive than a hive tyrant and can eat the vassal spores to re-roll psychic tests and has psychic abilities for every single phase. That's true, because there's no psychic phase anymore, which they did hint at during the mm-hmm. preview. So so he's active almost every phase. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. It just gives him more chance to perils. I do. <laughs> um, if you roll like I do, yes. <laughs> so then there's something called the Virgon. It's a medium-sized so this one I think we actually saw in cinematic trailer where it's a medium sized bulbous spider looking thing. Okay. So no, we probably saw the magistrant in the cinematic trailer. If that actually exists, 
But the Varagon is a medium-sized bulbous spider-looking thing with tentacles. So think of a smaller Haru Specs. Interesting. Or or whatever the weird Malicept. I think it's the Malicepter is the one with the really white tentacle arm. Uh, it effectively has the fly keyword. Flies in quotes, so it's probably don't know if it actually flies or not. Comes with a little gross marker on the sprue, similar to an infestation node for the pure street for gene sealers. So apparently this thing can spawn in from deep strike or make objectives dangerous to hold or something. And then there's shrikes. You know, Ray called it because he thought he saw shrikes in the uh, video. Interesting. Yeah. So usual weapons for warriors, but can you can only take one set of weapons, so you can't do the mix and match thing all over the place. And then there's something called the Saravec. So it's a huge promo model shown towering over a ruined monolith. Looks like something from War of Worlds. It's a three big spider legs, a massive body with a nasty... This is starting to sound like the Doomstalker for, for Necrons. Um, but it has the gun underneath. It has two tentacles to that split into smaller ones. It's a Lord of War choice. Interesting. Like Basically, it's because right now I don't think Tyranids have a Lord of War choice outside of Forge World models. That is correct, and that's not one that was an epic either. And this is the first time we can actually see it. Um, it's supposedly also Toughness 10. Okay. And then we keep scrolling down. There's they're covering up is something about the Tyranid Prime. Um, apparently, the Tyranid Prime can now be kitted out with wings. So it's a Shrek Prime. Okay, not surprised. Okay, yeah. Um, Termagants and Rippers. So Rippers come in more in new poses. What to do for Rippers? They're actually very popular and they're really hard to get your hands on. I was trying to use them for. Mm-hmm. Um, hobby purposes and i was like how do you buy these things so yeah they're just like the scarabs they come in the box with the necron warriors um hormagants so the melee ones Mm, my favorite so they still have the parasiting talon and okay so it's just they're taking the term the new termagant can't make into a hormagant so and then some inbuilt bonus like the old hydra trait however that works because I think Hydra like doubled the number of bodies or something. Oh, I'm I'm thinking of Marvel. Sorry, let me look it up for you while we're talking. <laughs> um, but it's specifically saying for outnumbering the foe. So I think it has something to do with more objective control at that point. Sounds like it. <laughs> I was thinking like Hail Hydra. I was like, wait a minute, no, that's not the... no, 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 no. Game, we're, we're 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 a forty k podcast here, Eric. We're not Marvel Crisis Protocol. <laughs> Sorry about that. Complete <laughs> Scorgon, so, Behemoth, Hydra. Um, each time, each time an adaptive makes a melee attack, counting as fewer models, add one to its attack roll. So if it's out, um, I think if it outnumbers the opponent. Yes, I just read that wrong. Gonna, well, the one of the light bulbs went out where I'm recording, so I'm literally it, it looked like a uh, scribe in the dark here as I'm trying to run this podcast. <laughs> um, so I do apologize for the, yes, it is. If you out um, if you outnumber your opponent, you get plus one to hit. So and then okay. uh, for purposes, vehicles and monsters count as five. So I'd be curious to see if that's the same with OC. You know, your dreadnoughts and your your monsters creatures count as OC of five. So. Maybe. Um, also, there's an update for py- for bio and pyrovore models. Um, they're still they're still big and bulky, and they come with the three spore mines. They should. And then there is in fact a screamer killer. 
It's back, baby. So yes, they've taken the goofy second edition design. And so yes, it is very much a harken back to the old four talon carnifex. <laughs> um so the torso is posable unlike a current carnifex. It has a so there's something called bioplasma. So it's some kind of shooting weapon where it can it's all it's a pistol. And the other keywords are spread and rend. So it can probably shoot into combat because pistol spread, I think is meant to be something like either a flamer keyword or something. Again, I'm theorizing and rend, I think means it could potentially like naturally have extra AP on it. Yeah. The old rend rule back in the um, universal special rules days was um, sixes to wound. Was it plus one? Pretty much like Blade Artist, like it was plus one to your AP. Um, but I want to say it may be more than that. I think it's or it's probably similar to what um, Shuriken Catapults run as. You know, they're, they're minus three on sixes to hit wound, something like that. Mm-hmm. Now it's going to be that exact number. I have no idea. So just, just again, we will probably see more as they actually talk about 10th edition in the upcoming months. So now I'm not sure how to f- make people feel about this one, but the Lictor is up next. And then in parentheses, Death Leaper to be disconnected. I think Death Leaper. Yeah, I think Death Leaper is like a special Lictor character. It is. Oh man, he was he was awesome. Okay. So it's a new resculpt. So I think the reason why they're discontinuing the Death Leaper is it's probably baked into the Lictor kit. That's probably why it's discontinued. Um, it has a longer tail and it maintains the rule, which I think was something for Lictors or Death Leaper. Cannot be shot at unless the closest. So that's cool super super character flesh hooks stop characters from falling back and it has deep strike and infiltrate interesting so deep strike is you know you know what deep strike is infiltrate is the pregame move uh, maybe they change that interesting okay cool mm-hmm. and the last bit of it here is listing off what's supposedly going to be in the combat patrol box it's the peanut butter box yep so it's <laughs> a tyranid prime two units of termagants one unit of hormagants a unit of paragons so the little bodyguard things a unit of shrikes and a viragon and then there's some other blurb about how tyranids are supposedly going to work in the in the new edition like it's mostly going to be like carpet bugs again but that i think that one's personal opinion yeah sounds i'm sure there's a detachment for that probably but yes that was the entirety of the 10th edition thing that i have seen and again take everything that i just read off as a grain of salt because we don't know if it's true or not i take it though none of that sounds too outlandish so even if it is it's a well-constructed fake and i, I believe it so just kind of like the um, ray sent us a um which we call it a detachment or a, a data card data slate is what i'm trying to say and it was pretty obviously fake. I mean, it was just, even he was kind of laughing at it. But you look at it and you go, if it's not fake, it's not all that bad. <laughs> yeah, even I read it and I went, mm. I mean, why we say it was obviously a fake is the font was off. The, um, yeah. The, the, I mean, it, was, it looked bad. It was, re- it was just like, are you kidding me here? So, um, but yes, that is as far as. We have collectively, or at least I have collected, the 10th edition news and leaks and everything. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was, um, that's, like I said, it, it's, 
intriguing. It stays close to what we've been hearing from the brand. One thing that's been very frustrating, though, is, yeah, we'd like a little more specificity, and they've been kind of drip, 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 dripping little and little bits about what 10th edition is going to be like. This one article we spent a lot of time on was one of the few that really opened up, okay, what are we expecting? But there's still a lot more we don't know what's going on. So, yeah, um, before everybody gets too um, freaked out about what's going to happen, take a breath. What's what's? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, it's definitely still up in the air with how things are actually going to turn out, and we also still have a good chunk of ninth edition running down the clock until the new edition. Which the two events that we have today, one of them actually literally just finished today. The actually they both finished today. Now that I think about it, because they both started in April. So both of these events kind of show off what is floating around for the meta until this next balance data slate comes out. We'll see if it shakes up anything, but most likely not. Yeah, there's a lot of pessimism regarding that, and it's one of those that's kind of like, I hate to be like, well, it's, you know, the, the edition's almost over, just suck it up. But um, I don't know about that. Um, there could be some changes, but there could also be, there's also room for other quick changes that can come in as well. So, so I think we are going to start with an event that has a good old friend of the show, Mr. Scary Martinez, up at the Can Hammer Team Tournament. Indeed. So we wanted to include, I know, wait, you guys are covering a team tournament. We don't normally cover team tournaments, but um, the some of the lists that were in the um, top of the rankings there pretty much typify what you're going to see currently in the meta. So we thought, let's talk about mm-hmm. this. So we're going to start with just the top three here. So Benson Gilbert of Team Ow Wow. He brought Guard. Now, Guard, there's literally no other reason to play anything else. He brought Born Soldiers, the Canadian Command Squad, Lord Sower Leontis, a tank commander, Casterkin with Brutal Strength, Ignore Modifiers, and other stuff. I, Thank you. I couldn't remember what that did. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've played against it twice so far, and it's just like, okay, whatever. Um, another Casterkin with heirloom weapons i don't know what those are some scions some scout sentinel quad launcher battery two heavy we- two mortar t- and okay this is a little different he brought three rogaldorn tanks <laughs> Blah. that surprised me a little bit but yes generally you would want you'll see expect to see guard in the meta then we move into second place with dustin henshaw of stud or scrub fun podcast by the way if you get a chance to catch it he brought gene caesar cult and yep um he initially starts out with a lot of bodies, a lot of Acolyte hybrids, a lot of neophyte hybrids, like six units of neophyte hybrids, or, okay, five units of neophyte hybrids, and then Kellermorph, uh, some kind of saboteur, and then three rock grinders and three goliath trucks. So he's opting for not a lot of jackals and hiding all of his dune trucks because the only HQ he has is a patriot. What else do you need? Well, I mean, the list that I lost you up in Denver brought like six characters. This guy only has three. That's a good point. And then the guy who came in number one spot of like per players, not per team, was Nick Redford in GTA 40K. Very fitting for the list that he was playing, which was in fact World Eaters. So it's Lord Invocatus, some Jackals, a lot of Berserkers, a metric buttload of eight bound. Like two, three units of normal and two units of exalted eight bound. A spawn, a spawn, 
a Dreadclaw, two Rapier Carriers, and a Chaos Rhino. So a list that opted not to bring Angron, but bring as many scary things he can fit inside transports as possible. And it's interesting, when the book dropped, that was a hot topic, or whether it was as cool as Angron is as a model, and he's got a cool stat line, is it better to play, take more toys, uh, uh, rather than take the, the big toy? And I think the verdict is still out there. Um, I know at Scorched Earth, we saw it. Um, Tarek actually was in a situation where he had enough blood type to bring uh, Angron back. And he realized that the Votan player he was playing, he could, he's just going to bop him as soon as he gets on the board. So he spent all that blood type to buff everything else up and he that won on the game. So I'm mm-hmm. not sure. You know, I, it's, it could, I could go either way. I think it's depending on your, your play style. So it's, it falls into the... Pr- idea of you play death guard do you bring mortarian you bring thousand sons do you play magnus it's that it's a big model syndrome it is the big cool toy in the room it will most likely win you best painted if you painted it as well as some Tarek did i'm still jealous of his engron though oh that pink was so so good anyway (laughs) the um the premise is it's the big toy you bring the you bring the big toy to look cool. It probably doesn't win you the game on its own. So this guy clearly opted to bring. Nah, I bring more boys. So the exact opposite of the orc mentality of where they bring all the toys and exactly. it usually wins them the yeah. game. So pretty cool stuff. You know, it's just like the seeing innovation and I'm glad to see it's still going on here. So, um, which is you know, like I said, there's a lot of people like, oh, the game's dead. You know, wait for we're waiting for tenth edition. There's still a lot of playability into ninth at this point mm-hmm. like sure the meta probably looks a little stale because it's going to be all the same army but overall it there's still a game to play and there's still people to meet which is the important more important part of 40k rather than playing just to win but that's for some people not all people all most some people only like winning which i don't blame them because that's a very viable way of playing 40k right of being the big guy in the so we do want to come back down south over the border because Niagara Falls was nice, but we would much rather go spend time in LA at the Battle for LA. GT held at Gameology Pasadena. This one, um, we can actually run, I think, the top five because it's a singles event, it's not a team event. In fifth place, we have Jensen Go with Goffs going four and one. In fourth place, we have Kyle Perry from Xenos Petting the Zoo. What was he running? He was running craft. I mean, there's Baharoth. That's all you need to really look at. <laughs> In third place, friend of the show, we'll have a, we'll f- eventually have him on. I promise, because he's on the team. We have Ben Jurek coming in third place with the good old boys, the orcs. I'm just glad to see him playing orcs again. <laughs> yeah, him showing up with Space Marines at Scorched Earth was a little. Eh. Yeah. I know it was a joke, but like, God dang it, man. Oh, was it? I thought uh, he was just getting ready for, um, whatchamacallit, um, WTC. Uh, I mean, he could have done both. Like, I honestly didn't keep track of it, but it was very, it was just very different because we know he's an orc player at heart. In second place, we have Junior Junior Flea. I still feel bad because I think I get his name wrong all the time. Better than I am. I was like all over the place. I think, <laughs> but yeah, uh, nailed it tonight. Junior, I, I remember Junior playing Blood Angels. Yes. This army's a lot slower than Blood Angels because it's Votan. Yeah, then kind of polar opposites. Good lord, Junior. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean he brought fifteen Thunderkin, <laughs> all with grav guns. <laughs> Like, way to go, dude. That was great. Snarf, but in first, 
<laughs> so in first place, we have Stephen Corrales playing Dark Angel. So this one's kind of expected. It's Azrael, two Talon Masters, a single Infiltrator Squad, and then one, two, only two Terminator Squads. But they are all walking around with a solid number of Storm Shields in that. And then a Ravenwing Apothecary, some Attack Bike, a normal Bike Squad. What shenanigans? Yes. Well, I guess the sergeant can have a thunder hammer. That yeah, makes sense. There you go. Um, <clears throat> an invader ATV and a lane speeder tornado. The uh, tornado some uh, pretty hot tech, actually. So because it's just for <clears throat> behind enemy lines and grabbing objectives and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it also came with an assault cannon and a multi-melta. Well, yeah, it's <laughs> not good. You know, we're not going to just, you know, run in bare bones or something. <laughs> yeah. Looking at his list, I think every single unit on the table except for the infiltrator and maybe Azrael and the blade guard ancient that i totally missed out on have some kind of weapon in there that's either d6 damage or flat three damage yeah because <laughs> i believe ben's only loss around three yeah ben only lost to the guy that won the so yeah it's gonna gonna push even if you've got like you know Damage reduction or feel no pains. Yeah, you still got a lot of dice to roll. <laughs> so, and it goes well in the mirror do, match, too. Mm-hmm, yep, it just hits people really, really hard. And we do want to make a shout out to another Smite Club member, Justin Aguilar, coming in seventh. Um, he got hit by Ben in round two. <laughs> so it was orcs into orcs, and Ben just reasserted his place as the war boss of the club. <laughs> and then. Yep, in a very gentlemanly agreement of punching each other in the face. The and wow, I would f- I feel bad for Justin and the other people who went because Justin also had to play our teammate Tim in round five. Yeah, <laughs> which is always the fun part. Like I drove all the way out to Los Angeles to play somebody that's in my local club. Okay, thanks, appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, that's what happens. You know, you run into you know regional. Um, battles, you're going to run into people that you know, so especially if you win. So, yep. But yeah, the the meta is the meta isn't entirely solved. There's some stuff that's really good. There's some stuff that is just amazing and outright hard to deal with. But the meta does have answers, like Dark Angels. I would struggle into that Dark Angels list because it has whole a whole bunch of melta guns and twenty Terminators that I need to deal with or deal with the attack bikes. Right. I did well against Raven Guard, uh, Ravenwing, excuse me, but um, the Deathwing version, I don't know if I have an answer. I'll have to give it a try. Uh, I think the big thing is kill the Apothecary first and see if I can create enough mortal mortal wound output to take down at least some of the Terminators, but um, I think the reality is I got to focus on the non-Terminator things, and then, but then they take center stage, and then, okay, I'm losing on primary, so I'm not sure. I haven't quite figured it out yet yeah i'm just thinking from the aspect of my of my knights those those terminators if they get into me are my problem i'm not going to deal with those very effectively and all the multi melts that exist yeah those are literally going to melt my knight lug nuts yes full pun intended but the the overall issue is that it's actually a really consistent army overall because it's it has mobility it has aggression it has stubbornness in the terminators so yeah that that um dark angels list is probably something that you'll see a lot of if not a whole bunch of terminators yeah it's a pretty powerful list 
and um, so yeah, I don't have I don't have a whole lot of answers for it yet. Um, I think your army may have you know because you know, some of those guns on your knights are high damage, so like you know one hit, one wound, one death. You know that's your 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 limit. Oh yeah, I, the the executioners would sit there and <clears throat> chunk terminators for breakfast. Given that I wasn't shooting into them, and they're going, oh yeah, no, I'm going to take it on a storm shield, which means I have a three up armor save, yeah, and all that wonderful jazz. But that's when it'd be like, I think my executioners are better sorted out in trying to deal with the attack bikes, because the attack bikes pick up at least one war dog every turn, right? And Ben literally does nothing that game. Yeah, but I don't think it's more practice into it. I'm still more worried about Gene Steeler called. I still don't understand that army. You know how to play against it, how it works, and um, just don't have a lot of practice against it. I think I've played it now five times across three editions, so it's just a scary army. And it's getting seeing a lot more play uh, of late in the meta, so both in the top tables as well as in the uh, mid table obscurity where I love to uh, hang out. So I need to get some more practice against that. I mean, I'm going to be joining you back in that mid-table obscurity after my tournament performances these last couple of events. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Plenty of room. 66% of the meta hangs out there. So we'll bring that back next week. Uh, we're running a little long on time, but I did want to get to this listener question. Ray forward this over via one of our social media platforms. And I apologize when it got forwarded, your name got cut off, but I'm looking at the picture and I recognize you. And um, so when it says right off the bat, Hey, Eric, long time listener back in the 11th company days. Yeah, I, I actually do remember you and uh, appreciate you listening that long and um, totally unrelated to 40 K, but a question I've been asking for years, that's what's the music you guys used to use in the specifically for the Felipe segment. So unlike our current podcast, which I use, blatantly used copyrighted material um our opening song is a song from megadeth called uh, set the world afire and in the opening it just sounds uh perfect for the theme of our exterminatus podcast the music you hear under the commercials i know the white crow commercial uh that ray does the voiceover is the same song it's just the solo and i want to say the other commercial ray does for kr multi case is it's off another album. I can't remember now which, but it is another Megadeth song. We try to keep the theme alive. The old 11th Company stuff, uh, Neil used to use these free royalty sites, and um, there's a bunch of them out there. And I even, I bugged him because of the main theme of the show. I was trying to figure out, hey, where'd you get that? It's a really cool song. He's just like, I, he just found something royalty free that sounded good. He didn't want to use anything. So unfortunately, the site, <laughs> it's a true story, uh, he did that, and he used another free site to do the voiceovers that, that created that female electronic voice that in, did the intro. Both those sites went out of business. Um, so as the, more and more episodes came out, the quality of the um, audio became was getting degraded. So we were kind of in a pickle. We're like, can we still use this at this point? And at one point, um, we even talked about, because I actually play guitar, I was going to re-record the opening theme song. I learned how to play it on guitar and, and just re-redo it. But lo and behold, we end up uh, going on hiatus and haven't recorded since. So uh, to answer your question in short, it was off a free site. Um, you might be able to find it on the internet, but God, those episodes were eight years ago. Good luck. <laughs> so sorry, I don't have anything uh, more concrete, but uh, yeah, 
they weren't any particular songs or anything like that. There, there's plenty of those sites available to use royalty-free music. Yeah, that that was a question that I couldn't even fathom to answer <laughs> because, dear God, I hadn't even played 40k yet. Yeah, those are, those are good times. That was um, probably fifth edition. Is that good when we recorded those stuff? Yeah, that was the the height of height of the podcast was definitely in fifth edition. And then yeah, when sixth rolled out, we were like, "What is going on here?" And then just kind of became more, more difficult to try and figure out what is going on with the game. So, so yeah, fifth, sixth, and I think maybe touched a touch of seventh edition. And that was it. If I recall the quits. So, but yeah, that's, so I appreciate you listening for all those years. That's a long time. I appreciate you guys following us, uh, especially to our new endeavor here at Exterminatus. It's been a lot of fun trying to do our own thing. Um, for those of you who are like, what the heck is he talking about? So yeah, y- years of old, uh, there was a, when the podcast landscape was a lot smaller back then, uh, there were very few competitive podcasts where, and I think competitive podcasts now kind of dominate the, uh, the landscape with, you know, this is the net list you need to play. Um, the independent characters were kind of like the model, you know, it's like, Hey, Hey Robert, how was your game this week? Oh, it's a good game. And I'm painting these. So how are you doing that? Uh, I'm using, you know, goblin green with a slight shade of this. And those were kind of the conversations. No one broke down net listing and it was never really a place to find it. That was in one place. Uh, good luck going through Daka, Daka, Daka. Oh my God. That was one of the, that was a place where a new player could just get swallowed up whole by some tryhard who just liked beating people up over the internet. So it was a, one of the few places where they actually um, talked about tactics. Uh, matter of fact, one of the most popular was how to beat Grey Knights because they were absolutely unstoppable in fifth edition. And the segment he refers to, the Felipe uh, segment, was our viewer questions and answers at the end of the um, show. And uh, yours truly was the moderator of said questions. So basically I would read them off our Facebook page and to the panel of hosts and we would answer them as best we could. Which, yeah, actually thinking of that kind of topic, that's something that we could probably do given that we allocate time for it because with the advent of 10th edition, you'll probably hear me ramble a lot (laughs) about it. No, absolutely. So that's something we used to put that as a thread on the Facebook page. We can bring that back and um, basically make sure you post by uh, recording time. I used to cut it off and then uh, read off your questions. Be more than happy to read them here on the air. So you can find us on the Exterminatus podcast via Facebook is probably the best way to find us. We also have an Instagram. I'm going to look it up now because I don't even know what it is. Well, I know I've been doing some repping for us off of my personal Instagram, which is Zoggog the Janitor, but I don't... Did you or Ray make a, a, like an independent Instagram for us? Or I no? did. Give me one second. <laughs> Huzzah! Oh, exactly. More places for us to share stuff. Exactly, because I actually posted... Um, there it is. Exterminatus underscore podcast. So it is available on Instagram. You can see I did a couple um post actually i'm doing them at work so it's really you can actually see me dressed for work which is pretty funny um a couple pictures of my trucari when they're in mid work in progress trust me they haven't been finished as well as some um looks like some sometimes we post uh, slides of the uh, mid-table obscurity stuff so i'll do more of that so so just saying there is a robert there is a robert excitement level it is slowly advancing from huzzah to excelsior <laughs> so yes there, there there's a rating system which yes at that point i can 
then move the photos of me working on my nights and currently building Vashtor to that instead of using my personal account. But otherwise, it's double the sources, double the sharing, absolutely, double the follows, all of the things. If you if you guys want to be like, no, absolutely, check it for it there. And um, I find that format to be probably the easiest. I tend to overthink when I do Facebook posts. You know, try to over you know rethink how I'm writing stuff like this. Whereas the um, Instagram, I just kind of just go and I got two minutes to blurt something out and it's a lot easier to do. So uh, just seem to like it. Plus we, we do something similar at work. So that's where I'm like, I got a little more practice with it. So it's pretty nifty that way. But yeah, otherwise I think that's basically it for this week there, Eric, because there wasn't a lot of major events going on. That was stuff that was coming out and I've been a very bad hobbyist. I have not, I have not been painting. You me both. Um, but uh, I, I got all, um, Sometimes you have to you kind of overthink the plan, you know, but and then you go, oh, maybe if I just do it this way. And uh, so I'm pretty excited. I'm going to attempt a few things. And uh, I will, um, well, one of the, uh, what I'm looking forward to in so another old favorite, talking about 11th Company again, was, um, you know, my start on that show was the tactical terrain segments. And um, I am seriously thinking about bringing it back simply because with the new edition, um, I really liked ninth edition as well as eighth, uh, ninth edition over eighth edition when it came to terrain roles. I know a lot of you were like, what? But the, the keyword thing really helped a lot. But a lot of it, I think where I got hung up on was the, I, I went to the, I went to PetSmart, picked up a bag of aquarium supplies and then threw it on the table. And it, somehow the keywords didn't work. That's not how it works. And with every edition change, it's important to understand how the terrain is supposed to work. And there's, if the rumors are true, we're in for another big change. And, um, and I think where my uh, approach was a little bit different was, here's if you want to make one table's worth, but if you're a TO and you need to make 60 tables of it, here's the other approach, how you can make this happen. So not only is it building, but also the... Um, the rules behind it and the thought process behind it as well. Yeah, that could probably be helpful for people getting into 10th edition. Like I know for <clears throat> YouTube stuff, as once I get that up and running for myself and the podcast, you better believe there's going to be a, hey, let's learn 10th edition together, folks. Well, absolutely. Look forward to breaking that down. That was a lot of fun. That's actually how I actually got promoted from segment producer to being part of the main crew on that podcast. And it was very helpful to break it down and understanding, hey, this is what it means. And, or maybe, you know, we're not sure what this means. Maybe this is where the FAQ needs to come in at this point. So uh, now I'm looking forward to it. I, I just, like I said, I'm not ready to give up on ninth. And um, there's still plenty of games to be played. And, um, and there's a lot to be learned for both games. And, um, but, uh, looking forward to what 10th has to bring. And we still don't have a, a firm date when this is being released. And now I'm beginning to wonder it's going to be sooner than later. Is what I'm thinking. I sure hope it's sooner. I need to be able to read before I can even contemplate about going to Lone Star. When is Lone Star? Remind me again. The end of July. Yeah, it'll definitely be ready by Lone Star. The talk was originally June, I think it was 23rd. I think it was, it was third week of June it was something that was being Basically, every Games Workshop store was being told, hey, um, this date's going to be important. But I still have a tough time believing they're really going to milk this for six weeks, eight weeks. I'm, I'm starting to think now, like, 
we might know before Memorial Day, and that sticks with that six-month cycle of new tournament rules, you know, the, the mission pack. So Arx Olin would wrap up on June 1st normally. But we shall inform you as we learn things. Absolutely. So look for us uh, next week. In the meantime, thank you for listening to the Exterminus Podcast. My name's Eric. I'm Robert. Look for updates on our Facebook page as well as Instagram. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Thank you.